Welcome to the Metaverse Podcast. My name is Noah Kravitz. This is episode nine. Coming up, a conversation with David Nudie from Nord Security. David and I talk about privacy, data, and staying safe, or as safe as one can reasonably hope to be, uh, online today and as we move forward into the metaverse, whatever it means, but certainly as we move into an era of more data-rich, immersive experiences and uh, see the lines between on and offline blurred even more than they are now, uh, we get into to some, not projections, but kind of thinking about the implications for the future, but also uh, David has some great practical tips for keeping yourself a little bit more private and safe online now. So check that out. Also, if you're into cybersecurity, check out episode six of Metaverse, a conversation with Kareem Hijazi, the founder of Prevalion. Uh, we cover some similar ground, but get more into the cryptocurrency and digital identity side of things. Great conversation. So listen to that one as well. And a quick note, uh, if you're liking the show, Please thank you for listening, and please take a moment to rate and review five stars wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, and share it. Tell a friend. You can go to the Substack. Substack makes it easy to share, metaaverse.substack.com. And also, we'd love to hear from you if you have comments or guest suggestions. We've gotten a few of those, so thank you. You can email us at metaaversepod at gmail.com. That's metaaversepod at gmail.com. <laughs> All right, let's get into the conversation. Enjoy. All right, I am here with David Nudie. David is the Senior Vice President for North America at Nord Security. And we are here to talk about personal privacy, data harvesting, and all of that stuff that off the top should not prevent you from engaging with the metaverse and experiencing all of these amazing rich media experiences that are right around the corner, all the big companies promise. But to talk about some things that you should be aware of uh, before you put the headset on and dive into the future. David, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the Metaverse podcast. Welcome. Noah, thanks for having me. I've been a, I've been a fan of the show. I've been listening to episodes, so I've been looking well, forward to the chat. Appreciate that. You can you can say I was there way back when this thing first got started. Early adopter. Yeah, right. um, I was there for episode one. There you go. <laughs> All right. So let's let's start out a little bit. Uh, rather, let's start out with a little bit about your background. A little bit about uh, what Nord Security does for people who might not know, and then what what you work on in particular. No, absolutely. I've spent the last twenty plus years of my career working in disruptive technologies and you know, as models have tr transitioned to services and as a service and delivering fully functional platforms to customers, as opposed to doing things on their own in the last 10 ish years of that has been in the cybersecurity space. Uh, so I've, I've you know, really been, you know, blessed to get involved, not only security at a personal level, but even at an enterprise level, when it comes to you know, automation and detecting threats and security operations, um, boiling all the way back down to the end user experience for a remote user on their phone, wearing a headset on a computer and some of the things. So this isn't a, uh, uh, a, a tin foil hat wearing, uh, you know, fear for everything you do online conversation, but, but rather. Uh, you know, be mindful and respectful of what's going out there. And there, there are things that you can do to protect yourself and, and something like the metaverse, I think opens up a very interesting conversation for 
new things to be thinking about. Right. I think uh, in the past couple of years, especially, you know, we're, we're recording this um, remotely over Zoom. And uh, I'm thinking about a conversation I had actually an episode recently that's also about cybersecurity, but from a little bit different of an angle. Uh, and the guest, Kareem Hajazi, was talking about um, uh, relating a story about somebody who had uh, a big investment in, in crypto and had a, uh, I think had a piece of paper with, uh, let's just say some sensitive information that was on a whiteboard behind him during a Zoom call, right? And so I think, you know, with issues around security online have always been a thing, you know, that's better than I do. But I think in the past couple of years with just the, the forced move to so much remote communication and then being able to do over video and images and we have our, we're in our rooms and we have our backgrounds and everything, it's kind of like you have to step up your mindfulness a little bit more just to make sure your you know, bank password is not a post-it behind you. Um, thinking about moving into even you know, richer, more immersive experiences, and, and we'll get in in a minute to some of the... Uh, the data collection stuff that kind of ramps up as we talk about uh, VR headsets and other things. Um, you know, it's really that that issue of mindfulness seems like it just kind of takes on an even bigger meaning as we move forward. Without question. And it's becoming easier for users to protect themselves from themselves. And there's some key areas, and you mentioned a couple already, is securing, you know, the the way the transit and the way in which you're moving about an online environment, you know, from the, you know, the, the network to encryption, to masking, to you know, making sure that you know, I'm not seen, you can be invisible as you move around if you have the right technologies. And then you brought up a great point as well is managing your credentials, your, your identity login information for, and, you know, to down to its simplest form, your passwords, right? right? There's, you know, there, there are companies out there that have, you know, six, $7 billion valuations on password management tools so that you're not writing down your bank password on a post-it note and showing it to the world on a, on a zoom call, right, right. um, you know, or, or, or using the, the notepad feature on your phone to write your passwords on, <laughs> that's not effective either. Uh, that's, that's a digital equivalent of that post-it note over, over the shoulder, uh, that there, you can so I mean, there are. There are things, and I think, you know, this, this trade-off between convenience and, and, and access to experiences uh, and then keeping secure, you know, is something we talked about a little bit before we hit record that we'll get into. But you just make me think of the number of times that, for whatever reason, I've needed my driver's license or more recently a COVID vaccination card. And so you take a picture and you keep it on your phone. And not only is it on your phone, but in a lot of cases, I have two photo, automatic photo backup, you know, services running on my phone. So every time I take a picture, it gets uploaded to two different clouds, basically, so I don't run out of storage on my phone. But then all of a sudden, if that's my driver's license or some other piece of secure information, I'm just leaving this footprint in more and more places. And I mean, you, I, you know better than I do, but is that a common, it seems like that would be a really common uh, just security problem that maybe people don't even think about. Very, very common. Um, extremely common that everything is a compromise. I think you used the right word there. Compromise is that people are willing to tolerate, um, you know, the, the risk that they're willing to take based upon the information that they're provided at the time we've done our own surveying and we, you know, get into those numbers regarding yeah. what people's anticipation is for something like the metaverse and the, and their, and 
yeah, I was taken back at the threshold of, of risk they were willing to take despite acknowledging concerns, uh, in, in certain areas. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating, um, it, on it. And it really is everything. It, it, uh, I'll even, I'll circle back that word compromise you used actually is, was really sure. I'm probably going to use that going forward is what is your tolerance for, for pain? We've seen that in a lot of areas, uh, in our life as, as we've had to make decisions around, you know, pandemic decisions and, and transitioning, uh, you know, user cases and, and, you know, you know, 82% of companies enable employees to use whatever device they want to access their corporate information. And over half of them are willing to admit that I have no way of having visibility of the threat plane that exists within that, but right. I had to make the change because I couldn't have them come into the office over the last you know year and a half. And then along the way, to your point, we've learned to automate ourselves and working remotely. And now you have companies kind of saying, okay, we're doing all this remote. It's probably never coming back again. I think we should circle back to, to the security <laughs> right. element around that. I mean, you're, we're both here in the Bay area. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, probably a 20 minute drive from where you are right now, but here we are on a zoom call right. having this conversation. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the survey you mentioned. Um, the, uh, the entry point we talked about was when, uh, Facebook famously changed its name to meta and Mark Zuckerberg had that event where everybody put goggles on and then he strode down the, the, the uh, runway there, the, the walkway, and, and introduced this concept. And he didn't introduce it. The concept of the metaverse goes back, um, you know, Neil Stevenson, Snow Crash, and some other, some of that may be the first, uh, the first use of the term. But at any rate, 87% um, of people said they have privacy concerns if meta is able to execute this vision of the metaverse. Is that that's a, the statistic you guys, you guys came up with? That was the statistics of, uh, is a U.S. based survey that was done and is 87% of respondents said they're concerned with privacy concerns if Facebook is able to come through and, and develop the metaverse. Okay. And then the rejoinder to that is that the majority of people, not that they don't care, but it's not going to stop them from using it. Yeah. It's 74% of the users said they either, I'm glancing at statistics, they'll either yeah. be joining or will consider joining, uh, the the metaverse when it becomes available. So you know, wrap your head around that one. Right. So let's, let's get into that. What does that mean from a, um, gosh, uh, from a pri personal privacy standpoint from, I think he used the term threat plane. Um, I don't know if that's quite the, the right term, but you know, this sort of broader thing of not just that I'm putting myself and my personal data and my identity at risk, but I would assume there's kind of a ripple effect that, you know, if, if I'm going in there unprotected, that opens up, uh, kind of attack vectors that could then lead to other, you know, consequences. Um, one place to, to dive into this as I'm thinking about it is, um, you know, this idea of the metaverse is kind of a, a, a term that's being thrown around and it means different things to different people. Um, one, one way to talk about it that I like is kind of this melding of online and offline or digital and virtual realities so that, um, you know, they've just become more and more intertwined. And in that sense, uh, I look, I think it was, uh, the artist Beeple who, who was one of the first, first folks to make a big pile of money selling NFTs. I remember uh, reading a quote from Beeple talking about, you know, well, I, I think we're already in the metaverse, right? Because I think of it as 
just this way that technology allows us to have these conversations remotely to interact with each other. And so, yeah, it may be headed toward a, toward a more kind of, you know, snow crash, ready player one style, super immersive life-like digital experience. But if we're tweeting at each other, it's kind of the same thing. It's just, you know, text-based instead. Um, but at any rate, if we think about this virtual reality, augmented reality, enhanced experience, one of the things that a lot of people are excited about, and um, uh, I'll throw this in as well for listeners, the most recent episode, as we're recording this, episode seven of Metaverse is with um, a guy named Amir from a company called Virtualeap that's doing brain training cognition games in VR. And so we got to talking about VR hardware and advances that are, are happening and will be coming to the consumer market soon, where it's not just about, you know, I can have this experience that's so immersive, but it's also about all of the data that's being captured from where are my eyes looking? What's my head motion like? What's my body motion like? We get into six degrees of freedom tracking where, you know, the VR systems can track my body moving through space and change the content relative to that, which could make for awesome experiences. They're also capturing data about how I'm moving, where I am, what I'm reacting to, we got to talking about, uh, you know, sort of biometric sensors and, and sensors that can read data from the skin. And I mean, even not VR, right? Like my watch, you know, I have an Apple watch that I wear when I go running and it tracks my heart rate and it tracks my, I was looking at the, the data the other day, it tracks more things than I realized it tracks. So with all of this data being collected that can inform these really rich life-life experiences, you know, there's got to be kind of a, a potential dark side to that with what bad actors might want to do with that data. Yeah, I think it's, you definitely have to give it the proper level of respect is you, you're making, you're taking the internet from, from yes, it's immediate and it's quick and it's, but it's still kind of a cold interaction uh, because it is just a purely text, you know, quick communication. And, and yeah, you stand up on a, on a zoom call, you're really warming up the, in, you know, they've been very careful uh, to use the phrase of, you know, turning the internet in, into a real experience, right? Is that you're, you're emotionally invested that you're you know, now your motion is detected. You're, and to your point, um, I think it's fascinating. You start to think through, so what are some of the possibilities around that? Is that, is, let's say I'm in an augmented reality environment and someone can like, you're seeing on the screen right now, you can see the, the color of the paint on my wall, for mm -hmm. example. And if I'm able to serve up that kind of information to a, a furniture company that can then turn around and deliver me a, a couch advertisement with the exact same color wall, that's the color of the, of the wall of, of my room. And wow, that looks really sharp. That's exactly what, like that type of mining of, of information is kind of simplistic, but I can, you know, walk through a virtual environment and be served up advertisements on the wall. And what are the advertisements that I stop and turn my head and, and look at and focus on for a while and, and read and, and provide that type of feedback. These environments all exist based upon being able to serve up, you know, intelligent information on the users themselves. And I think, I think by and large, people are, will be aware that that's what they're signing up for. But I think they, you know, put guardrails on yourself and decide, you know, what kind of information do you want to, you know, disclose about yourself? What level of detail? You know, there'll, there'll be some social media channels that they'll, their, their world is your world and they want you to, to see all of it. And that's, that's their business model and others who just want to get together with the family and don't necessarily want, uh, you know, their interior decorating, uh, 
<laughs> methodology is part of what's out there. Right. And it's so, it's so double-edged, right? Because there are times when, uh, to your example, and, and for folks listening, I'll put this in the show notes, there's a, a Venture Beat article that you recorded a few times in, and you kind of made the same point about, which really hit home for me because it was like, you know, what if I'm, I'm in one of these uh, augmented or extended reality experiences and I have a ratty catch, couch in the background? It's kind of the same idea, right? That, and I'm yep. thinking like, oh yeah, like on the one hand, depending on my mood, I might be really annoyed and ticked off that my privacy is invaded and you're dissing my couch. On the <laughs> other hand, like, yeah, yeah the couch is kind of old and I don't, you know, I don't know a lot about the couch market these days. So I don't know if it suggested the right couch, maybe kind of happy. And it's kind of always that double-edged sword. And it makes me think of um, recently um, the, the opt-out options for advertising tracking that are now more available on, you know, the current web two, as people call it, the current internet. So I'm browsing on my phone and I have, you know, content tracking, advertising tracking, some of these things disabled by default. But now I'm finding that basically every time I go to even the same websites that I go to on a regular basis, it's always asking me, you know, do you want to opt into cookies and get a better, more personalized experience, you know, or mm -hmm. do you want to opt out? And if I opt out, then I have to click like seven things and, and go through all of that. Um, I don't know. Do you have a, 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 I don't know, a take, but in your experience, both kind of from a, you know, privacy professional standpoint, but also talking about these, these customer surveys and feedback you're getting. I mean, is the default that people are just kind of okay with, ah, you know, the status quo is that these advertisements are just the price that I pay for browsing the free internet. And actually I'd rather have ads that hit my interests or, you know, do people actually, are people happy that they can kind of opt out of these things now and get generic ads, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's proven that it, that it works. And I, I it's, I'm having, I'll have an increasing number of interactions with people where they kind of have, they have that creepy interaction that happens for them online where I was, at uh, dinner with my wife and I with another couple and we were just having casual conversation and you know, somebody told a story about a Cracker Barrel restaurant. Right. I've right. never been to a Cracker Barrel in my entire <laughs> Right. I, I, in fact, it wasn't until recently I finally got, got to go to one. I was traveling in, in a, I think it was in Atlanta, um, or Jacksonville actually. And okay. yeah, the, I went to Cracker Barrel there. But I've, I've, we're, I've been, we're to, on the I've been to one coast. in Connecticut, but that's, you know, yeah, yeah we're on the West coast here. They don't exist. Right. Here, no, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Et cetera. And, uh, and we went home and later that night, my, my wife was being served Cracker Barrel advertisements right. as she was, as she was moving around Instagram. I, I was going to say, I didn't want to call it out, but it sounds and, like an Instagram story. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, we weren't like, what was listening? How on earth? Um, did that, like what settings do we have on our, on our devices coming through our watch, the, the information and now envision that you're in a totally interactive experience and the, the capabilities around voice capture and, and, you know, you know, voice to, to text translations and, and being all this so advanced now, the artificial intelligence and the predictive analytics that go into that. Um, you know, if, if you do this, you are likely to do that. And, and some of the predictability that's built into to much of this technology these days um just it's one thing to get to get served up you know advertisements and, and have it feel like it's chasing you around mm -hmm. but but if they can now see that you're actually looking at them 
right. and how long you're looking at them. Right. And, and, and which one was it that, that actually got through to you on it and be able to turn that information back around. I mean, you're, you're taking a personalized experience to the next level. And that should be something to your point that you can opt in or out of. Yeah. And, and is, I think as long as the controls and the power are put within the, within the user, I think you solve that and, and give someone the, the ability to make their own choices on, on the type of information that they want to share. So that makes me think of, um, again, something we touched on when we were, we were talking before we, we hit record, which is about this trade-off between convenience and, um, you know, choice or protection. And that, um, a lot of times, and I'll kind of just tee it up and let you talk about it because you were speaking really well to it and, and this is what you do, but so many times the, um, just the process of opting out is too difficult. What, however difficult it is or isn't, it feels too difficult to the end user to deal with. Maybe I just don't want to deal with. Maybe every time I go to that one website that I read all the time to get my latest you know, NBA trade rumor news, I've always got to hit the opt-out button and that leads me to a dialogue and then that leads me to another thing. Every time I have to do it because they don't save that they only save it if I opt in so that I can be tracked, right? <laughs> so, you know, is that, is, is the issue that, I mean, is one of the main, so is that the big hurdle for a lot of folks is that they can opt out, but it's just, there's too much friction involved or, you know, what, what, what's kind of the, the hurdles that the end users are dealing with in trying to be more invisible online? I, I can't speak to it definitively, but it sure feels intentional around right. those things, right? It's, it's like if you're subscribed to a service and you go onto their website and you want to unsubscribe, it's super easy all over the place to click to upgrade somewhere, but oh my goodness, the, the, the back alleys, you have to find your way through to the point where you can finally cancel and, and then have to go to a, a separate page and then receive a phone call from some, I mean, it's, right. it, it's, you really sometimes have to have to jump through hoops and I, I'm at the point in time where, where we are with the technology that. I'm starting to really believe it's, it's, it's all by design, right? right. It's, you right. know, they want to give you option after option after option to not make the choice that they'd rather you didn't make. Right. And, right. And right. As opposed to serve up real easy simplicity to make the choices that they, that they do want you to make because it allows them to be more, more functional in their, in their own business. Right. But, right. I mean, the, we built a, a business here in basically get, providing somebody a tool that just makes them invisible on the internet. That basically they're, they, they, that before they go anywhere on the internet, they're hitting a gateway first that is designed to hide them, their IP address, their device, who they are, et cetera. So all that, all that tracking, the malware, the adware, those things that are in place are essentially stopped at the edge by a service provider and don't make it all the way back to the user. Because if they can't, if they can't get the IP address of, of my device, you know, on, on there and the IP address changes because I'm, I'm using an intermediary platform on the way to get there every single time, you know, then, you know, they're basically not seeing me, right? right. It's, 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 I can, I can, I can jump onto you know, NordVPN on the consumer side and log into a gateway in, in Frankfurt. And right. as I peruse the internet, I look like a user coming from Germany. I will right. get German served ads. I will go to YouTube and they'll be in, they'll be in German as I'm listening to them because I look like for all practical purposes to the service provider that, so you can, you can do those things, um, that just, that just put 
a, a protection layer in between you and, and what you're doing online. And, and those things have, have thankfully beyond us, you know, other service providers have, have been something very, very easy to, to make a choice to go into these days. So let's, let's talk nuts and bolts for a second then, since you brought that up, what are some of the things that you would recommend to an end consumer, you know, person, person like me, um, both now to keep myself safer when I'm browsing online, doing whatever I'm doing, browsing the internet, having a Zoom call, logging into work. And then what of those things, um, and again, I'm not asking you to, to definitively predict the future, but as we look ahead to, you know, it seems like more and more of these immersive experiences and also more and more of um, personal identity online becoming uh, just bigger and broader and both in the sense of all this information tracking, but also in the sense of maybe, you know, virtual goods and, and other things linked back to, to money and finance and, and other things kind of moving more and more, you know, onto the blockchain or whatever happens. Um, what are some of the, the top tips, best practices that you would recommend to people? I mean, number one is use a VPN service. First and foremost, I mean, that is for everything. For everything. And the nice thing is that you get a single license and you put it across all your devices and it accomplishes some, a couple of real key fundamental things is number one, it hides you. You, you are, you are invisible as you move about the internet. You, you, if you right now, if you ran an IP trace back to me, it will terminate in Los Angeles where I am on ramping into our cloud native security layer on it, even though um, I'm up here in the East Bay area. Right. So um, let's, could you break it down even a little bit further for, for the less technical listeners sure. who might be out there, what an IP address is and then how a VPN service works? Yeah. So an IP address is the unique numerical address of your device and where you are. So if you, if you are unprotected on the internet, um, and I can, I can run a trace back to you, basically it's going to take me all the way back to your end device and I can use that device to identify you. So if you return to my service, I'm going to say, oh, I've seen this person before right. this, this numerical address before. Um, and I know where they went and what they looked at. And I'm, I've got a, a cookie on the computer to be able to trace what they've looked at. They've been interested because they didn't opt out last time because I made it difficult for you to opt out. So, <laughs> right, so, right. So, so, so yeah, I got you now. And, right. Um, and device. And I, can now, I can now follow you. Right. And device means anything that connects to the to the network, to the internet. So laptop, mobile phone, if my watch has Wi-Fi, if my AR smart glasses have Wi-Fi or, or cell service, any anything. Yeah. I mean here's yeah. oh, here's a couple of like Target was breached not long ago. Right. And that started with the hacking of an HVAC unit, an air conditioner that right. had a, a right. smart device. Because everything's right? smart now, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I sat through a, a conversation with a, with a white hat hacker who gets hired by companies to, you know, basically challenged to do something. And, and they, it was a bank and they challenged him to get an ATM machine to just turn on and start spitting out cash. Um, and the long story short is, is he was able to accomplish it, but I think what was, so, what was so interesting was where he started his process on it. And he didn't start that process by trying to hack firewalls and, and going through it. He went, he went to the social media of the employees of the company. Right. Wanted to see, he's looking for the right titles on LinkedIn, looking for someone that in their posts, who they went to events with, who they spent time with away from work, vacationing, uh, et cetera. So that he could put together a, a basically an introduction email that looked like was coming from a close work, you know, friend at work 
uh, on this. Hey, you got to check this out. And we, this happened when we were up in Tahoe last weekend to get somebody to click on a link and then gotcha. And that individuals away from work activity on their social media footprint, to your point, the type of footprint is what opened the door that ultimately allowed him to insert a script into the ATM management systems. And, and he had a live video going as he stood by an ATM that turned itself on exactly the moment he wanted it to and started spitting cash out of the the door. And it started all the way back to the social media footprint. And so as a result of this, businesses are investing in good, smart hygiene for their employees to use, no matter what they're doing, whether, whether they're coming into the business applications or just give them a tool that's just going to be good for them regardless so that when they're in a coffee shop using public Wi-Fi, they're not a threat to, you know, somebody in the parking lot with a, with a sniffer being a man in the middle to what they're doing online, that it's, it's masking them, encrypting their traffic. It's, it's good to do regardless of whether you're on business hours or not. And it's actually really valuable to, to businesses to enable with a really clean user experience, their employees to, to take advantage of that stuff as well. Are there any downsides for a, uh, let's just talk about a consumer, not in a work situation, but a personal situation. Any downsides to using a VPN? Um, there's not, in the early days, there was a, a concern that it just wouldn't perform well, right? If, if it, if it performs like crap and it's difficult to use, I'm not going to use it. That's part of that compromise. Right. Piece, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so a, a company like ours has spent over a decade refining uh, user experience and performance. They, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of, of NordVPN users that in North America, for example, that, that like to take a peek and see what Netflix is showing in Europe. And so they right. on-ramp yeah. to Europe. And, and if you're going to stream video content and on-ramp to somewhere 150 milliseconds away, or, you know, on another continent, you better have refined the, the core technologies that are able to deliver a positive user experience. I mean, there's such a low tolerance for bad performance on a website and, and, you know, online marketplaces are aware if it takes two seconds for a page to, to move and click consumer moves on. It's just, it's, it's that fast now. It's, it's just gotta be an experience. I'm laughing. I always bring it back to my kids. I don't know if you have kids, but, but watching my kid, you know, that, that tolerance, if the website doesn't load like that, just like, what's wrong? It's broken. Let's, you know, like, yeah. Well, I remember the days of, you know, clicking on an image and, you know, slowly, you know, you know, you move, come on, you know, come on. You can do yep, it. I hope yep. it makes it all the way through. I don't just get half of the picture. Um, yeah, right. they, they're, they're, they're really spoiled. And you mentioned something, uh, previously the gaming element of this. Mm. I mean, I'm like, I'm like that exact generation. When I was a kid, that was the, the days of, you know, Odyssey to, in television to Coleco. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Atari 2600. Yep. So we, nobody else talk about 7200, you know, all the way. And now fast forward to today. And then you mentioned kid just made me think of this and I have a teenager. So it like that element of life has never escaped me. It's always, it's always stayed along through, through the, the apps. I'm, I am like a video game generation and my fascination around, you know, VR and the potential of the metaverse around those types of interactive entertainment experiences, um, is off the charts. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I tried virtual Rocky boxing with a, with a, with a, a VR headset on and I accidentally punched the wall. I mean, it was you know, you know those, you're like, you're like those, those guys in that ad in the apartments next to each other where they're, you know, they don't realize that they're, they're gaming with each other on VR, but, um, yeah. So Rocky, like Rocky Balboa. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was yeah, playing okay. Apollo Creed and then, uh, I think Drago, uh, you know, kicked my butt. 
Right. That's what he does. You're yeah. so immersed between the audio and the visual and, and everything else. Like I, I, I couldn't even hear someone who would, who would, you know, would want to stop me from, you know, wherever I was, I was going, but that's just how immersive it is. Like I, I did an experience. I can't remember the name of the movie, but the person who walked the tightrope between the twin. Towers. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. And Sony created a VR experience where basically put on the headset and then you were standing at the edge of one of the towers with a rope in front of you and basically asking you go ahead and walk the, the tightrope. And right. the vast majority of people wouldn't even take a step. Yeah. They yeah. felt like they were teetering on the, on the edge of a building. It's, it's that, uh, it's, it's it, that immersive and fascinating. It's wild. It's one of these things that I can, I can say words like the neuroscience behind how all this works is just wild, which I believe to be true, but I don't understand how it works. But there is, I mean, if there's something going on with that immersive thing that, and that trick the brain, I don't know if that's the right thing, but I think we're only at the, the edge of, of yep. what it can actually do. And it gets back to the point of, you know, the trade-off. And I, and, and I think this is, I'm no armchair historian, but I, I think this probably has some truth to it. There's always been this risk reward trade-off, right? In, in the history of humanity where, you know, if it feels like the reward of putting on a headset and going online and having all this data about all these things that I do get captured and there's the risk that creepy ads for things that I didn't even browse, but I glanced at or, or, or said the word Cracker Barrel or whatever are going to yeah. come back to kind of haunt me and follow me. Like, hey, you know what? The reward's good enough. Like, you know, take my chances and go forward. And then we, we just sort of rely on the fact that, you know, folks like you, companies like Nord, you know, the experts in these spaces are going to figure out ways to, uh, if not beat the bad guys, at least like keep them at bay long enough that, again, the rewards will outweigh the, the risk as we go forward. I always say we're leveling the playing field. Like you, you, the army of bad guys vastly outnumbers you. So why not team up with the good guys and, and, and level the playing field? Um, that's really where we could, because we're going to do that at a level that you're never going to do on your own, but right. that's the good news. We've designed it for you to have that level of protection without having to do it on your own. That's that, that, that user experience. I mean, it, I mean, you can, I don't want to get too philosophical, but I mean, I feel like it, it as, as a human being, your life is a constant evaluation of, of risk and reward, right? I mean, right? Every time you step outside of your house, there's some level of risk involved right. in getting no, in your totally. car and going for a drive. It, like there is no absolute safety. And, and I think of the last couple of years and it, you know, it was a whole separate conversation around the, the pandemic and, yeah. and what's, what's risky, you know, are, are you making the solution worse than the actual problem and, and mindful of, and making a calculated decision on your level of risk that you're willing to accept to, mm -hmm. to go about your life and being accountable to that decision of your own choice. As long as you have the, the choice to, to make for your, yourself and that I think is a great way to look at that is, is understand what you're signing up for, give yourself options for the level of protections that you want to have and then make the right decision for yourself. And for some people that may mean, you know, a windowless room that has, you know, no connectivity anywhere on the walls and that's where they're going to feel absolute safety. And that's fine. Uh, for others, it's going to be running a, a virtual environment that anyone in the world can just come on in and have a look and, right. and, you know, but to, to as long as the, the, the power is, is, is given to the user to make the choices of where they want to go. I think that's, you can never go wrong. If you're, if, if, if you are transparent about what's being done and you give the option to the user to decide the level of, of risk that they want to take. Well said. 
Um, before I let you go, that feels like a great sort of philosophical ending point, but I want to get back quickly to kind of practical nuts and bolts. Talked about using a VPN. Other suggestions uh, that you would give folks, again, whether now or dipping their toes into VR, metaverse, and all of these kind of more data-rich environments, uh, other suggestions that you give for consumers to keep themselves safe? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. It's the same advice that I gave to businesses I'm now giving to individuals, which, which is, you know, as you're, you know, experiencing these environments, you know, act like you're under a constant state of breach. Act like everything you're doing is, is visible and not, not in a paranoia, but from a respectfulness viewpoint and, and, and think about, you know, what you're doing and, and is that something that you would openly, you're comfortable with it being shared, right. presume that it is rather than presume that it is not. Um, and, and that allows you to, you know, take the right steps for yourself. And it goes beyond the, I mean, there's a lot of concern around identity and someone being able to, to mock somebody that I, that I yeah. can basically take your credentials and, and be you, yep. uh, in the environment and how do you protect from things like that? And it's kind of that next level of, of credentials where you, you think about, uh, uh, you know, the number of logins that we manage in our life. Like I, I have a, a password management platform and when I installed it and it actually aggregated all of it and it showed me how many logins I have, but also told me this many of them are, are at risk and, and compromise you know, on it is, is really take care of the way that you traverse these environments, the, the, the method, the device you're on, how you're connecting, where you are, you know, connectivity, that means Wi-Fi, 5G, whether you're in the mall, walking around, looking at your phone or what, which has location device and which has, you know, near field, you know, you know tracking on what you're looking. I mean, just always, always presume that that information is out there and take the steps necessary to set up, uh, you know, your experience, the way, the way that you want it, um, because these things should be a ton of fun. I'm enthusiastic as hell about them. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, opposed to them what's, whatsoever. I think that we've had enough visibility over the years, you know, compromised information. We're, we're hit with those reports every single day. We see advertisements on TV constantly, uh, regarding, uh, protecting your, yourself and, and those things aren't there by accident. So just be mindful. Excellent. Um, well, I think when this episode goes live in the show notes, we're going to have uh, a link out to the same survey that we referenced at the top about uh, people's attitudes towards the metaverse and, and keeping safe and everything else. For listeners who might want to learn a little bit more about what Nord's doing uh, in this space, in the consumer space, or, or otherwise in your products and services, uh, where should they go online? Yeah, we've done a lot of polling and research and interesting blogs and write-ups on nordvpn.com uh, on the blog space is, is to go look at that. You know, we have that, we're going to share an infographic with you uh, on the results of some of the polling that we've talked about. Um, and it's something that we constantly take the temperature of from our customers because much of what we do here is based upon the feedback that we get from the over 15 million users that are already using it and growing um, like crazy, the, that feedback, uh, becomes the, you know, the next generation of the service that we continue to evolve from the cloud for them. Excellent. Well, David, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to come on and talk about this stuff. And I think the big takeaway, and, and you expressed it well, is that, you know, go out there, assume that what you're doing can be viewed, might get leaked, et cetera, but don't let that stop you from living life and experience it. Just take the steps you need to take to keep yourself safer. 
happy, skeptical enthusiasm. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Happy, the, skeptical enthusiasm. And maybe may become the uh, the subheader for the name of the show as we go forward. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll trust you on that one. All right, my thanks again to David Nudie from Nord Security for coming on the podcast, uh, talking data, data privacy and ways to keep yourself protected online now and as we venture into the metaverse. Uh, the big takeaway, you know, be aware, take precautions, but you know, don't let fear ruin uh, your enjoyment of life. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Metaverse. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Tell a friend, share it on your social networks, leave a rating, leave a review. All of it helps us grow. We appreciate it. And if you would like to get in touch, you can email us metaversepod at gmail.com. Until next time, my name is Noah Kravitz. Take care. 